you start to question your value. You start to question your self-worth. Like the more money you got, the more successful you are, and most people really do buy into that. But really, I just needed a break. What I love is helping people. I'm Julie Bauke, and welcome to The Evolved Career, a podcast where we help you determine what truly does matter most to you and how it can have a profound impact on your life. Today, I am giddy with delight to welcome someone whose career I have admired for years. I tweeted her after a glass of wine or three, and I asked myself who my dream guest would be, and she said yes. I think the lesson is more wine. It is my great pleasure to welcome Jean Chatsky. For those of you who are not as giddy as I am, listen up. Jean is the financial editor of NBC's Today Show, is an award-winning personal finance journalist, AARP's personal finance ambassador, and host of the podcast Her Money with Jean Chatsky on iTunes. Jean is also a best-selling author. She's written 11 books and her newest book, Age Proof, Living Longer Without Running Out of Money or Breaking a Hip, which she wrote with Dr. Michael Roizen, is a New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestseller. In other words, she's kind of a big deal. Welcome, Jean. Thank you so much for having me. Well, let's jump right in. Why do you do what you do? Oh, boy. I do what I do now because I really enjoy it. I get a lot of satisfaction out of it. I like the feeling that I'm helping people. And there's always something new to talk about, um, which keeps me interested personally. Um, But it's not what I expected I would be doing when I was a college student or a young child. It's, It's something that sort of morphed along the way. Yes, I think the best careers are. Um, so, you know, the 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 topic of money, it is evergreen. Um, the issues change, the challenges change, but in some ways they remain exactly the same. And it's it's so the advice that you give, it's what we all need to hear. And many of your books apply to all of us. But lately it seems like I want to ask you about your emphasis on women. Um, mm-hmm. the name in fact, the name of your website is hermoney.com. So why the is it a shift over time that that you've decided to focus more on women? Yeah, it, it absolutely is. And I think I did it to fill what I saw as a real hole in the marketplace. Um, I have a, a book out now called Women With Money um, that I spent the last couple of years researching and um, a website, hermoney.com, where we publish two newsletters a week and content every single day and the Her Money podcast. And what I think I realized over time was that it's not so much that the information is different, whether you're a woman or a man, although women have greater financial challenges than men do in part because we earn less and in part because we live longer. And when you put those two things together, um, it's a dangerous combination. But also because we receive information differently. Money is a complicated topic. It's a topic that is layered with a lot of emotion, with a lot of baggage. And that makes it tough to both talk about and to feel confident about. And so the real hole that I found in the marketplace was for a place where 
women could feel confident and comfortable, not just that they were receiving accurate, objective, really high quality information, but where they weren't going to be judged for the choices they made. And they could interact with other women who were going through the same things at the same time. You know, it's interesting because we all have money challenges, but like you said, we live longer, we earn less. But what's the biggest difference you see in women's attitude toward money versus men's attitude toward money? A real um, need for safety and security. When I was writing Women With Money, I started by asking hundreds and hundreds of women, what do you want from your money? Because that's sort of the way I think we should all look at it. Money's a tool. We should be optimizing our use of that tool by figuring out what we want and going after those things because we can't have everything. So priorities are key. And again and again, I heard from women the same answers. I want safety. I want security. I want stability. And it wasn't just money in the bank, although there was definitely a desire for, you know, cash in the bank, cash even sometimes, you know, in the, in the, underwear drawer. It was a a desire for a paid off home that nobody could take away from us. Um, A desire not just for a car, but for a really safe car that has all the airbags and other safety features. And I heard it so often that it, um, it made me realize, well, two things actually. One, Um, that it is not a want, it's a need. Um, And second, that I'm actually pretty typical. I mean, I took a look back at my own behavior, particularly um, around my 40th birthday, which was when I got fired. I lost my father. I got divorced and I turned 40. Um, So, you know, you add all of that up and that was not a very happy period in my life. But my reaction financially was to go all in on saving. I just started saving money like a, a, a crazy woman because that was the only thing that made me feel um, powerful and independent and more secure. You know, it's interesting what you say, because there's a there's an inherent conflict um, in the way we think then. Because if you're if our biggest priority is safety and security, yet money is a tool to get more of what we want, sometimes the things we really, really want come with risk associated with them, which is in in a lot of in, in a the way a lot of people look at it, which is just the polar opposite of being safe and secure. Well, a- absolutely. But also, even if you just get back to the to the basic notion of saving versus investing, most of us um, can't uh, save our way to the retirement we want. If we are going to have the retirement we want, we have to save, but then we also have to make money on those savings. And that comes with a layer of risk that we have to become comfortable with. But I, I do think you, you asked me what's the biggest difference between men and women, and I think it's that. I think it's this innate need for this layer of safety um, that 
sometimes stops us from taking the risks that we should be taking. You know, I think about, as you're talking, I'm thinking about my clients who are, um, who really, really want something different and something more out of their career. But there's that, you know, they, that when I compare the, the female versus male clients I've had, there is, uh, you know, some humans are completely risk averse, obviously, but the women that I work with who are incredibly competent, very, very good at what they do, um, just they have this vision of what they want, but it there's there's this – and I think it is. It's that need for safety and security that that holds them back, and they might not even be able to label it as such, mm-hmm. but even if they have in a lot of cases – created what you know created a, a you know a, a pretty good portfolio it's that oh you know do I dare touch it do I dare do something different or would I be better off just staying here at this job I can barely tolerate uh, for the next 20 years and of course my answer is always no you will not do that um, because I think that's that's where a lot of the the good reward comes at least from a career standpoint is when we do take a little bit of risk yeah yeah absolutely and I think shoring up our finances in other ways to enable us to take that risk in a in a way that feels a little bit safer is often what we have to do right. unless we're forced into taking the risk of course which uh, yeah which which many people are these, these days, days for sure thanks to, yes. thanks to the way the unemployment numbers are running yes you know i think that the best teachers are those who've walked the walk and you know in your story you certainly did not come right out of the chute at 18 or 22 years old and fill up your piggy bank. You know, you made some of the same mistakes that um, those of us make. And that's that experience, I think, gives you a lot of credibility to say, don't do what I do. So um, tell us a little bit about kind of your, your, your personal ahas with your finances. Yeah, I mean, I, I was fortunate that I learned a lot of lessons, uh, painful ones, very quickly and, and young. Um, I came out of college, uh, took a job in journalism, and wasn't earning a ton of money and very quickly got myself in over my head in credit card debt. Uh, It took me a while to dig out from that, but I've been um, much better at managing my debts ever, ever since. I also made the classic mistake of of um, cashing out of 401k when I changed jobs. Uh, that was pure um, I, I, naivete is the wrong word. Ignorance is a better one. I just didn't understand what it was. I didn't get how it was supposed to work. I, I wasn't educated on, on what it was supposed to do for me and my future. So I just um, got a check in the mail and went shopping and was quite <laughs> happy actually with this little windfall. Um, I, boy, through the years I've, I've made other mistakes. I haven't negotiated for things as hard as I possibly should have. I, um, that by the way, is something that I think, I mean, I'm sure you talk about this with your clients all the time, but, um, I find it just, it's one of those things that gets easier with practice. You know, as soon as I, um, started asking for what my set speaking rate was at the time and, and somebody didn't, uh, blink or, or think twice, I realized, oh, okay, I can do this and I don't actually have to feel bad about it. Um, and, and I can, just put it out there and it's it's in everyday conversation and it, it doesn't feel as um, stomach wrenching. 
anymore. Yes. Um, I also wasn't uh, in my first marriage, wasn't as much of a full partner as I should have been with our finances. It probably makes you crazy, doesn't it? When you hear people say, when you hear women say, oh, my husband takes care of all of that. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me um, sad for them because I, having been divorced and having uh, watched my mother uh, lose my father, I have seen what happens when um, when you lose a partner. And, and it was hard for my mother, despite the fact that she was the primary manager of um, our finances. Uh, she just felt like she lost her sounding board. And I, I um, hazard to think what, what it would have been like for her if she had been one of those women who didn't know where things were. Yeah. Absolutely. So you, you you mentioned your first job out of college. And one of the things that I think is interesting from what I've read on you is you actually came out of college and took a job simply because it paid more and it turned out to be a mistake. Yeah. So that's not that. That's my real first job out of college. Yeah. That's the one that I haven't put on my resume. Don't and skip I don't that one now. Come on. Very much. <laughs> I, um, I did. Actually, when I got out of college, I got two job offers. Um, one was at a magazine. Um, and just to put this in a little bit of perspective, I was full on journalism um, during my college years. I worked at the school paper. I had internships every summer. This was where I was going, except that I also um, took a flyer and dropped a resume in a box for a management training program in retail um, and got a job offer. And I and that job, so the magazine job paid $12,000 a year. The um, retail job paid $24,000 a year. And my head was turned and I took that job and um, was miserable from day two. It took (laughs) me three months to extricate myself. But I had, you know, I had bought a car, I had moved to Connecticut, I had a lease. I mean, it was just, it was one of those things that, that, um, that you just shouldn't do, but I haven't done it again. You know, and that's those getting into the wrong job is not necessarily a bad thing. It's staying in the wrong job. That's the bad thing. And you did it after three months. You, did you have people in your life telling you, what are you doing? You know, what are you doing walking away from that from that stable retail job? No, not really. Um, I had uh, my parents were very, very supportive. They actually um, picked up uh, my car and the payments on it. Oh, nice. Um, which was which was very nice of them. I, I really I really didn't. Um, but it was a lesson that stuck with me. I, I, I took a detour in my career for other reasons. A few years later, I had been at at Working Woman Magazine. That was my first job. And I learned that I really, really liked writing about business and finance and wanted to go to a business finance publication and couldn't get hired because um, the folks at Forbes and Fortune and Business Week everywhere, they just didn't think that Working Woman gave me the kind of experience that I needed. So I, I floundered around for a little while and eventually ended up working in an equity research department on Wall Street, which um, meant I was researching companies and writing reports and really learning about financial statements. I had been told that was what I needed to do in order to get 
um, a job at a bigger business magazine. And so I did that job for a couple of years and I was making really good money. Um, it, just to sort of put it in comparison, I had I applied again at Forbes magazine, got an offer to come in as a reporter researcher at $24,000 a year. <laughs> and I was making 50 on yeah. Wall Street. Mm -hmm. um, and I just, uh, I just did it. I just jumped. Now, had you been smart about saving your money when you were making a grand total of 50,000? I had been smart and I, um, I was also, um, married, newly married at that point. Yeah. So it was, um, uh, cheaper to live as two yeah. rather than yeah. as one. Yeah. You know, sometimes I think we, especially when we're 22 years old, you know, I talk to college students from time to time and, uh, the, this, this feeling that the measure of your worth or your success over the last four years is, um, all in what your starting salary is. I mean, I remember when I graduated, everybody's comparing their starting salaries. And clearly people were taking the highest without really thinking about whether it was the best. But then when you're 22, how do you even know, you know, what's best? I mean, your gut is telling you what you like and don't like. And, mm -hmm. you know, you've got to, you have to trust that. And luckily you were able to get back on your feet and obviously it worked out well for you. But I, I think, you know, every semester we graduate thousands and thousands and thousands of kids who have no idea how to navigate uh, the first, they're they're getting bad advice from all sides, and they don't have any idea how to navigate from that first job, even if they're lucky enough to get that first job. Because how many times is that job, like in your case, a mistake? Right. And they think sometimes, well, so I think we people default into, well, I guess that's what work is. I guess it is going to suck. I guess that's what it's supposed to do. Nobody I know is happy, and we start this these tapes in our heads that say, um, well, you know, this is what being an adult is, and I just need to suck it up and just be glad I have a job, which is just a dangerous way to live. I think so. I think so. And I, But I also think from the flip side, if you find yourself in a position that maybe wasn't where you envisioned yourself, you have to give yourself permission to, um, to find the good in it Yep, and not just... Um, assume that uh, while well, you're only there for six months, you're just going to suck it up and do right. it and move on. Like exactly. there, there may be something there that is that is better than and better than you expected, yeah. and that's okay too. Yeah, absolutely. So you said when you were forty, you got fired. Tell us about that experience. Yeah, I had been at Money Magazine for, um, gosh, oh, I don't know, a long time, five six years at that point. And um, the editor who had hired me left. And I, um, I, I was still there for a while writing my column and, and doing my segments. And, um, and in a round of, of layoffs and downsizing, I, um, I got ousted. Um, I was uh, allowed to continue to write my column on a freelance basis, but it was pretty shocking. Um, I had never not wanted to be an employee. I liked being an employee. I liked mm -hmm. having somebody else take care of the, the retirement plan and the health insurance. But I, I was already doing a pretty significant amount of freelancing. Um, I was... Uh, 
doing some uh, def- doing the Today Show, but also doing a number of, of other things, writing books and giving speeches. And I took a look at, at the portfolio that I had built and decided essentially that I would be better off just doing more of that. So I started a company and hired an assistant and, um, and went from there. Wonderful. It, it, you know, it, so many of those key moments in our careers, I think, come when somebody kicks us in the seat of the pants. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And forces us, you know, forces us to find, a, to find our way in a new way. One of my favorite sort of things, you have a, you said in many of your writings, you discovered that you had a gift for making money concepts simple and understandable. And I want to explore that because I think there's this sort of people think that this lightning bolt is going to hit them. And, uh, you know, as I always say, they're going to, you know, put something under their pillow and hope the career fairy shows up overnight. Uh, But that you, when you, when you read that sentence, it, it makes it sound like, you know, I just discovered it. Like I discovered $5 in the pocket of my sweater. But of course, it's more complicated than that. It's it's There are more steps to it. So w- when we can get to the point where we can make a statement like that about ourselves and our, our talents and, you know, we, we've learned how to turn that into a career, that's the moment that I think we're all striving for. So tell us, what were the key signposts along the way that or feedback that you got that, that made you be able to say, I have a gift for making money concepts simple and understandable? I started hearing it from other people there you and go. I just, yep. and I just listened. I mean, I, I really started hearing things. People would say to me, Oh, you know, I'm watching you. And all of a sudden this stuff that I didn't understand makes sense to me. And, um, and that is, uh, when I realized that, Oh, this is what I do, right. It's not there. It, this is sort of when I get hired, it's for this reason. It's because I can explain things in a way that is easy to understand and simultaneously kind of reassuring in a difficult field. Um, and, and I, I just held on to that. Um, I think that we all have to try to figure out what it is because there's so many people, there's so much competition these days. We all have to try to figure out what makes us uh, distinct. And often the answers come from outside sources if we're willing to pay attention to them. And and by the way, the negative feedback comes from outside sources too, and we should pay attention to that. You bet. Yeah. I think that's, I think the, um, it's, it's, it's um, what do you feel most in harmony um, doing and then, like you said, what do you get? What do you get the best feedback on? I mean, it's it's nobody's ever going to come to me to help them, you know, master spreadsheets or details, and that's okay because I don't want them to. Right. Uh, so I, I think it's it's really believing the feedback you get, along with a lot of other things. So that's great. Thank you. Um, sure. Yeah. Um, so one of your, you have a statement that I love. If you want to own your life, you have to own your money. And I would say I, my philosophy is the same, but I would put career at the end instead of money. So what does it mean to own your money? It means to manage it consciously. And, and that encompasses um, knowing what's coming in, knowing what's coming out, and knowing where it's going. And I know that sounds relatively simple, but I don't think it's all that complicated. Um, it, when it comes to your investments in particular, I do think 
that somebody has to be actively managing them, that can be you. But if it's not going to be you and you know that it's not going to be you because you are a good you know, viewer of your own behavior, um, then you find somebody else to do that for you. But um, it's really just making conscious decisions about what you want your money to actually do for you rather than blindly sort of swiping and then wondering where it's all gone. That has, that gets simpler every day, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It really does. Amazon just puts those carts up there for us to fill up and we just can't help it. <laughs> no, I know. And and it's very human, by it the way, is. not to not to help it. It it really is um it really is human not to help it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So you've got something you say, Gene's money philosophy. There's five tenets of Gene's money philosophy. Number one, you have to make a decent living. Definition of decent living. Decent is um, enough to be comfortable. And that changes depending on where you live in this country. As we all know, it's a lot cheaper to live in some parts than in others. Um, But decent is enough to pay your rent and your mortgage, um, have a car that gets you where you need to go, um, not worry about the monthly bills and and healthcare, and, um, and save something. As yes. well as enjoy yourself, yes, you know. But it's not the the misconception is that um, you need lavish amounts, you need huge amounts to make you happy. And what we know is that once you achieve this level of comfort, more money doesn't really make you all that much more happy. And that threshold used to be like seventy five thousand, right? But I think it's mm-hmm. higher now, right? Daniel Kahneman at Princeton did the study. He put that number at seventy five thousand dollars a year, um, but that was about a decade ago. Okay. So I would suspect it's higher. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, number two, you need to spend less than you make. Number three, you need to save then invest. Number four, you need to protect the fin- financial world that you've built. And number five, which might surprise people, um, I absolutely agree with it, but you need to give back in a way that is meaningful to you. Why is that in your top five? Because that actually does boost happiness. So giving back, whether you're giving money, whether you're giving time, that actually is um, a measured way to boost your own happiness. And I think we should all be boosting our happiness as much as we can. Yes, absolutely. So what surprises you the most about your career journey as you look back over the last, you know, 30 years or so? Oh, boy. Um, I, I don't know. Um, I mean, I, I've, I've, I, I consider myself incredibly fortunate and, um, and I love that I have the opportunity to be creative. I guess the fact that I'm in, in this field, um, is, is still a little surprising, but, um, and also the number of twists and turns that it's taken and the the variety of things that I've been able to do are a little surprising. Okay. So, yeah. So what, you know, if you could talk to, if you're, if you were sitting here today and you could give a message to, um, people like the 22 year old Jean who was right out of college, who are saying, man, you know, what a confusing, big and scary world. How do I, how do I get my foothold in a place that's right for me? What advice would you give those people? I really think you have to walk through the doors that open. 
I think, I mean, we started this conversation talking about risk, and I think that's the risk that people need to take. We all have doors that open, whether it is somebody saying, hey, you know, I'd be happy to talk to you about that. Or, yeah, you want to shadow me for a day? Come shadow me for a day. Or, um, you know, you should you should really look into X, Y, and Z. Or maybe it's an, it's an out-and-out offer, right? Walking through the doors that open is a really important thing to do. Yes. Well said. All right. Are you ready to play two questions, one shallow and one deep? Sure. All right. What, Gene Chatsky, is your most useless talent? Oh, boy. You didn't give me any warning about these questions. I know. That's um, the beauty of what it. Is, then what you'd is have time my, to prepare. I can carry color in my head. What does that mean? It means when I am shopping for a new piece of furniture or a um, or a pair of shoes to go with the outfit. Like I actually know what shade of gray my walls are and whether hmm. the couch will go. Um, you know, I know what what particular shade of navy the skirt is so I can pick out the shoes without having to go back and, and return them. Well, that is, I have never heard that before. So um, yes, that is, in, that's, that's, that's useless to anybody but you. That's right. Right, right. Okay. And what, uh, our final question, what breaks your heart? Hunger. You know, when I, when I think about it, of, um, when I think about, and I, and I look at my own charitable giving and, and I, uh, yeah, I just, I can't stand the thought that people are hungry, especially in my own backyard. Yes, in this country. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you so much. And how can people connect with you and learn more and get more of your good stuff coming their way? Um, please visit hermoneyoneword.com and subscribe. And, and we'll get you our newsletters and our podcasts. I'm all over social media, but I'd love you to um, be part of our Her Money community. We're, we're, um, we're growing strong. Fantastic. And take that first step. You know, this is this is big and scary, but a great first step is to go on to Her Money and read all the great stuff there. And I think you'll exhale and realize that you're not alone. It's not that hard, but you do have to get started. You know, it's not going to – the money fairy's not coming just like the career fairy's not coming. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you so much, Jean. My pleasure. If you enjoyed meeting the Evolved Careerist on today's episode, well, we've got a lot more lined up for you. Subscribe, tell your friends, rate us and write a review. And of course, follow us on social media. But if you're interested in learning more about how you can evolve your career, you can contact us through theevolvedcareer.com or thebaukegroup.com. And that's B-A-U-K-E. Do you know somebody who'd be a great guest who has a great career story to tell? Or do you think you qualify? then email me. My email address is in the podcast description. Until next time, here's to your career happiness.